through in this season father that you allow us to see that there's nothing that we have to worry about lord that you are in control that you are always in control and as long as we put you first father you will be and you will make a way lord so allow us to see that today lord allow us to see that you're the way maker father let's not worry about the, the easy things lord let's not worry about the tough times father because as long as we're walking with you you're going to get us through, Lord. You're going to push us through. And let's not worry about anything going on, Father. Anything going on in this world, Lord, because we depend on you. And you are the way maker. And you are the healer. And you are the savior. And you are the soon coming king. And when you come, Lord, you will come like horses. You will come rising in. You will come trampling in. You will come stepping on every enemy and every person that's in your way, Lord, to get to us, Father. So I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. So allow us to see that tonight, Lord. Let's not worry. Let's not worry about nothing. Put a special protection upon the kids tonight. Allow them just to seek you and feel comfort in your word, Lord. Allow them to just feel you as they get ready to just hang out and have a time together, Father. Lord, show them. Show them your love. Show them your love so that they can spread the love to others, Father. And Father, open our minds up tonight as we get ready to receive this word, Lord. Let us not come with a cup of glass full, Father. Let us come empty. Let us come empty so that we can pour out what you have. So that we can pour out what we're going to receive tonight, Lord. So Jesus, I thank you. And I thank you for everything you're going to do in our lives. And I thank you for everything that you have been doing. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. I don't think your mic's on. 
So, have you ever had one of those evenings where everything just goes wrong on you? Okay. <laughs> so, what I found is that, you know, sometimes a bunch of stuff will happen and, you know, it, it, you have a tendency to get discouraged, but when you're in that season where it seems like everything's falling apart while like you're getting attacked from a whole bunch of different angles. I know from experience that that's when you're right on the edge of a breakthrough. And, you know, you just got to push through those things because ultimately, you know, the Bible says that we are overcomers in Christ. That there's not a problem, there's not an enemy, there's not a demon that is too big for our God. Amen. So we're going to push through tonight, through the screen not working, through a whole bunch of other stuff, through my microphone not working, but we're going to make it work. We're going to take tonight's offering. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank everybody um, for their generous giving, for everything that they do here. Um, the Bible is clear that, you know, when you sow into the kingdom of God, that there is a reward for that. So we're thankful. I'm going to get somewhat adjusted. So I'm just going to go ahead and pray. Ushers, if you want to make your way forward, I'm going to go ahead and pray. We'll take our offering for tonight. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've done here and all that you continue to do. We thank you, Lord, for the lives that have been changed through this ministry. We thank you for our men's home. We thank you for our maternity home. We thank you for the youth home that is soon coming, Lord. We thank you that we are truly that lighthouse on a hill. And Lord, we thank you that you're going to provide us with every provision for the vision. In Jesus' name, amen. kind of uh, tough for me to be tied to a cord, but we'll figure it out. I'm just not the kind of person that kind of sits in one spot, so uh, hopefully uh, we can work this out. All right, we're just going to roll. We'll roll it. It's all good. Um, so we are in a series called That Church. Maybe you've seen the blue shirts in the back. Thank you. And I forgot my water. All right. Uh, we, uh, you might have seen the shirts in the back that kind of say, I go to that church. And then they have a mission statement on the back. So that's the series we've been doing. Who are we as a church? Why does this why does new hope exist? Why does this body of Christ exist? And so um, that's kind of where we're at. We're kind of looking at our DNA as a church, looking at um, where we are and where we want to go into 
the future. So I just want to read our mission statement. It says the mission of New Hope Church is to build community by reaching the lost, healing the broken, and equipping people to live out the calling of God for their lives, for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. So we spend about uh, three, the first three messages of this series, we talked about what community is, right? The mission of New Hope Church is to build community. So what is community? What does that look like? And we spent some time looking in the book of Acts and looking what true biblical community is supposed to be. So looking at, okay, what is community supposed to be? Now we're going to shift gears and say, how do we get the people for community, right? You know, a community is not done by yourself. So how does, how does the church build the community? So um, we're going to start with Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read verses 18 through 20. Something called the Great Commission. And I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you want to go there. I can give you a minute. If you're there, say amen. Oh, okay. We got to wait a little bit. Well, then I can run down and grab my water. Twenty-eight, eighteen, through 20. The word of God says, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you could just bow your heads with me, we'll pray for this message tonight. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the wonderful, the matchless, the victorious name of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for this night, and I thank you for this message, and I thank you that um, reaching the lost is the heartbeat of this ministry. Lord, I thank you that we are growing. I thank you, Lord, that you are prospering us. Lord, I thank you that you are going to do great things through us, through this body, through. Lord, I thank you that we can be part of it, that we can be part of your plans and your purposes. So in Jesus' name, I take authority over any attacks of the enemy. Lord, and I thank you that the Holy Spirit is here with us to lead us and guide us into all truth. So, Lord, I pray that the word would go forth, that it would find its mark, Lord, that faith would arise in the believers tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, one of the things I do, uh, in addition to just pastoring the local church, is for, I guess, about eight years, I've served as an area pastor for the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. So, I help oversee about ten other churches a uh, couple in West Virginia, um, some here in Western PA, uh, a couple in uh, up in upstate New York. And so, uh, okay, we got another one. All right. Well, this is a little bit better. Thank you. So um, what we do, um, what I do is, for the most part, is I just help encourage the pastors. We talk to them. We work through problems. I pray with them. If they run into a rough spot, we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. 
And, um, you know, for the most part, my job is just to help them do what God called them to do and just be there for them because, you know, even pastors need a pastor sometimes. And um, sometimes we'll have transition if uh, a pastor is retiring or maybe there's a problem there. And so we'll help to transition the churches. So there was this one church in West Virginia and I was called and the pastor was retiring and he kept saying like, hey, I'm going to retire. I don't have anybody within the church um, to, that's going to step up and, you know, I'm really hoping that you guys can find a pastor, but no, regardless, I'm going to retire on such and such a date. So they sent me down there and they said, hey, can you go talk to the people and just kind of see where they're at as a church? See, um, you know, see what they need see uh, what kind of pastor they, um, they, you think would, would fit down in there. So I went down there and I met with most of the people from the church. And, um, you know, they were, they were just the, the sweetest, kindest people. And they loved the Lord. But at that point, the church had um, shrunk to less than 20 people that would meet there on a regular Sunday. Um, I'd say probably the youngest person in the church was probably around 57 years old. Um, you know, so they were a, a group of older saints, and um, they loved the Lord. They loved one another. Um, if, you know, if you went there, it was sort of a throwback. You know, it was sort of like you would expect a church to look like in kind of the 80s, you know. And there was probably a move of God there that they were celebrating, and uh, things like that. But the problem was, is there hadn't been anyone new that had walked in that church in who knows how long. I mean, there just wasn't any new people. There weren't any, you know, there weren't any kids. And I know like to some degree, it can be distracting for some people that, you know, we have kids running around, but you know, that's the future of the church. When you don't have children and you don't have, you know, youth in the church, then the church begins to die. And I know that we're a little loose on the kids, but we want them to have fun while they're here. We don't want to sit here and just yell at them and things like that. But they, they didn't have any kids. They didn't have any youth. They didn't have any young families. And they were really in a place where, um, where they, were, they were struggling. And the problem is, is they became very inward focused. And it's something that can happen with a lot of churches. They become focused on what they like and and the things that they do, and, and they're very close-knit, so in a sense, they have good community, but they lose sight of one of the main reasons why the church exists, and that is to reach the lost, to go out and reach the people who don't know Jesus. And they've kind of, you know, and I sat down with them, and I said, you know, have you, have you tried, you know, what do you guys do to reach your community? What do you do to impact your community? Well, we don't really do anything, you know, we, we have church and, you know, we, we hope people will come in, you know, and it's just basically like, you know, it's basically like if I got an aquarium and sat it in my living room and expected the fish to like jump in from the pet store into my aquarium, like that's kind of what they were doing. I said, well, have you tried any outreaches? Have you gone out in the community? Well, you know, a long time ago we did this and we did that and I... And I was like, well, you know, how do you, you know, do you have any ideas for outreaches you can do in the future so that you guys can grow? And one guy's like, well, we've been thinking about getting a quartet in here. A quartet, like a gospel quartet. I mean, I love Christian music, but I mean, I'm not coming to no quartet, man. I mean, that's, 
that's as corny as it gets. But, but you know, so they were just kind of stuck. And ultimately, you know, the, the, the order came down that they were going to close the church. They couldn't find a pastor for the church. And they were going to close down the church. The property was going to be sold. And it, it gets invested back into church planning. So it's not like the money just goes away. But, you know, to have to be there and to tell the people that their church was closing... I mean, it was brutal. I mean, they're just, you know, literally just start crying in front of you, you know, and you just, you know, you feel so terrible. But, you know, it, it, it's not my fault that they forgot why the church exists. You know, it, it, if in the book of Revelation, there's, there's these letters to seven churches, Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. And one of the, the churches, one of the first churches that Jesus speaks to is the church in Ephesus. And he speaks to the church in Ephesus and he says, you know, you have these things that you do right. I see your labor. I see your patience. I see your works. I see that you don't tolerate evil. I, I see that um, you've saw those people who were fake apostles and you, you didn't tolerate them. And, and those are all good. But then it says, I have this one thing against you that you forgot your first love, that you forgot your first love. And, and then he says this, he says, go back, go back and do the works that you did in the first place or else I will come and I will take the candlestick out of its place. In other words, what Jesus was saying is that, you know, that church may stay open sort of as an organization or, you know, as a building and people may still come to it, but he was going to withdraw his presence from the church. And I wonder how many churches are still open in one sense that people come in and they still have an organization and they kind of still have a social club, but the presence of God has left a long time ago. And they're out there and, you know, it really doesn't say specifically what it means by saying they lost their first love. But all I can think about is, man, when I first got saved, you know, I don't know about you, but I was radically saved. I mean, I, I, I was, you know, nobody was seeing me to get saved. You know, I, I talked about before, I mean, there was literally a whole prayer meeting that like, one day, like, I could come in church and be an usher. Like, that was, like, that was, like, right up there with, you know, raising Lazarus from the dead. You know, if we get Rick Thornhill to come in and be an usher, like, could you imagine if that would ever happen, you know? And, you know, that's how highly they, they you know, they, they thought of me. But, they, you know, I was, I was radically saved. I, I wasn't looking for God, I, you know. And, and here I, I got radically saved, and I just fell madly in love with Jesus and you know, my, my whole mind state changed, and I was so excited to come to church. I was so excited to come to church. I was so excited to come to Bible studies, you know. I had, you know, it was different than anything, you know, I was, than I've ever experienced, you know, that to feel that presence, to finally feel like I didn't have to get high to, to be happy. I mean, to have the presence of God with me all the time, to be meeting new people and building new relationships and healthy relationships and learning how to rebuild my marriage and learning to be a dad. I mean, all those things were awesome. And then on top of that, you know, excited to tell every single person I could about Jesus, to tell everybody I knew, man, you need Jesus. Unfortunately, they weren't, 
as excited as I was to get to know Jesus. <laughs> and so every time I talked to somebody and every time that I shared, you know, everything with, uh, about Jesus with them, they didn't always receive it in a good way. Some people would make fun of me. Some people would laugh at me. Some people would ask, start asking me a bunch of questions. And at that time, as a new Christian, I didn't have good answers for everything, right? I, I just had kind of a lot of emotions. I had a testimony. But, you know, when you're first saved, you don't care. Like, you don't care. Like, I don't care. Like, I love Jesus. I know it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And I know you need Jesus because I know you're stinking miserable, unless you drink a half case of beer, like you need something. And, you know, um, and, and people would, you know, they, they wouldn't react the way that I wanted to, but you don't care because you're kind of in this thing where it's like your first love, you're new, you're a new Christian. And sometimes somewhere along the line, it's like you just get involved with church life and things become more routine. You know, and, and before you know it, you know, you lost that love and feeling. Whoa, that love and feeling. You lost that love and feeling. Now it's gone, gone, gone. So now you guys know why I'm not on the worship team. But you lose that feeling and then all of a sudden you're not fired up about the things of God so much anymore and then it just becomes about potlucks and what people are wearing to church and what's your favorite worship song and what's the timing of the rapture and what about the Nephilim and do I need a King James or do I need a passion translation and and pretty soon reaching the lost doesn't become your focus anymore and you begin to drift See, we need to understand that, yes, there are those people who are in the office of an evangelist. There's a five-fold ministry, and there are those people that are an evangelist. But just because you're in the office of an evangelist, that doesn't mean that you're not called to do the work of the evangelist. Everybody is called to do the work of an evangelist. Not everybody is called to be a missionary overseas, but everyone is called to be on mission wherever they are, whether that's the, where they live at, their neighborhood they live at, where they work at, and where they shop at. And Jesus made no distinction between overseas missions and, you know, the neighbor right next door. He considered it all evangelism and we're called as Christians to have his heart to reach people you guys want me to sing again don't you all right got to keep you guys on your toes so tonight I want to look at a story of a guy by the name of Zacchaeus it's in the gospel of Luke chapter 19 and I want to look at his interaction with Jesus and I want to look at the reaction of the religious people. So Luke chapter 19 is going to be our main text for tonight. And if you don't know anything about tax collectors in the Bible, like tax collectors were like considered like the ultimate like scum of the earth. Like it's like the worst thing you could be was a tax collector. And that was because they were occupied by 
the Roman government at that time and they really seen, you know, other Jews who would become tax collectors because they would basically extort money off of the people and they would give them to Rome. So they're taking money off their own people and basically giving it to the Roman government so the Roman government can become more powerful. And in the meantime, you know, they would steal some of the money, you know, sounds like our government. Um, but, you know, they would steal some of the money in the process. And, you know, the tax collectors were sort of equivalent, at, you know, like to the mafia, but probably not even as honorable as that. Like, I don't know what I was thinking of, like, okay, what do we have that's like equivalent that like when you hear it, like everybody cringes, you know, and it's like the only thing I could think of is like it, it'd be like the same thing if like somebody says like the guy's a child molester, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, like. You know, you, you cringe at it. And that's how they looked at, like, tax collectors in the Bible. They looked at them like they were literally like the scum of the earth. And one of them's going to meet Jesus. And not only was he a tax collector, he was the chief of tax collectors. So he kind of, like, ran a crew of tax collectors. So let's go to uh, Luke 19, verse 1. It says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So I want, to, want you to notice a couple things. One of the things I want you to notice is that it wasn't just Jesus kind of, you know, just gave him the four spiritual laws or gave him a turn or burn type, you know, speech and or, you know, just, just prayed the, the sinner's prayer with him. But Jesus actually said, I'm going to come to your house. And that would have been shocking to them because, again, this guy's looked at as the total scum of the earth. And then here's Jesus, right, the Son of God, the Messiah, you know, who, who's garnishing this, this huge following. And he's saying, you know what, I want to go and I want to spend time with you. And I want to be at your house. And it just goes to show you that, like, evangelism isn't necessarily just a one-time event, where I have a talk with you and then we're done. A lot of evangelism is done over time, over relationship, talking to people about Jesus, spending time, cups of coffee, lots of meals, talking together. Evangelism sometimes is about building relationships with lost people. And Jesus didn't call us to just make converts. Jesus called us to make disciples. That was in the the, this, the text that we read, it says, go out into all the world and make disciples. And, you know, what, why are we called to make disciples? Because, you know, people who are coming from the world, they have habits, they have behaviors, they have mind states that they've been dealing with a, a long time. And, and we need to help them break those destructive habits so that they can build new habits, they can build new life-giving 
habits and it doesn't happen overnight just because you pray yes you're born again the spirit of god comes and lives inside of you but that just begins the process of the renewing of your mind so that's why we're called to make disciples and so jesus is uh, not only recognizes him but now he's going to go to his house and actually spend time with him but here comes the religious people here comes the religious people verse 7 verse 7 says all the people saw this and began to mutter he is gone to be the guest of a sinner and of course this was meant to be a smear on jesus look if you're so holy if you're so perfect if you're so righteous why would you go and why would you hang out with that guy can i tell you something jesus is not scared of your mess he is not scared of your sin and and i'm glad that jesus wasn't scared of my mess and wasn't scared of of my sin that he saw me as i was fallen and broken and there were people that were willing to come and jump in that mess with me and say you know what there is a better way there is a more excellent way that you can live your life and you know you've got to understand that there's going to be times that if you really want to do this thing right and you really want to reach lost people sometimes it's going to get a little messy you can't really stay clean you know broken people are broken for a reason i know that there was a time where um you know i, I never I never saw myself early on as being a pastor. I, that wasn't something that I was uh, shooting for, but I had been delivered from drugs and alcohol, and I just had a heart for people who were addicted. I mean, I never thought that I would, you know, be able to live my life and be clean. I just didn't, I just didn't think that I would ever be able to. But when I found Christ, that, that God-shaped hole in my heart was filled, and I just... I didn't have the urge to get high anymore. I didn't have the discontent. And so I'm like, I got the solution. I got the answer. And, 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 I, and I got my pastor to, to allow me to start a Celebrate Recovery group. And I, and I started that Celebrate Recovery group. And before I knew it, that Celebrate Recovery group grew bigger than the church that was meeting here on Sunday. And then guess what? All those people started coming into church, and so I just filled the entire church up with a bunch of drunks and drug addicts and people that were off the street, and that became the beginning, and that became the start of New Hope Community Church. That's where they started. That's not where they finished, but that was, that was, where, that was where they started, and you know, and, and sometimes it would get a little messy. Sometimes people would act up. Sometimes people would scream. Sometimes there were so many people smoking cigarettes in front of the church. You had to kind of wear a gas mask just to get into the, to the front door, you know. And I had to be like, guys, can you at least like clear out a little bit so we don't have to run the cigarette smoke gauntlet, you know. But what were we doing? We were reaching the lost. And a lot of people who didn't feel comfortable walking into a traditional church. You know, you walk into some churches, man, you better not sit in the right, wrong place. Because that person got their signed seat and that's their seat. 
and they don't care if you're new, you better get up out of their seat. And they're going to give you the stink eye until you get out of their seat. Where's your heart at? Where's your heart? Is your heart with reaching the lost? And sometimes religious people don't understand. A lot of times religious people don't understand what we've been doing. They didn't understand what we're doing with our men's recovery home. They don't understand that, you know, that the things that we do and the reason that we're trying to reach people. But it's all a matter of we're trying to seek and save what is lost. And so in verse 8, it says that Zacchaeus, right, so he's, he's accused by all these people. All these people are, are like, yeah, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And Zacchaeus hears him and, and, and he stands up. And imagine that, that you, you're looked upon as the scum of the earth, that you're hated upon by all your people, like your family, everybody, nobody likes you, but you're rich, but you're still, you're miserable, you're unhappy. And all of a sudden, Jesus, the one that people are saying is the Messiah, the one that... that, that lets the blind see, the one that the deaf hear, the one that even raises the dead. He sees you and he wants to have dinner with you at your house. And then all of a sudden, all the people are like, oh, look what he's doing. He's going to have dinner with him. So Zacchaeus hears them and he says, he says, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. See, this is what true conversion is, is, is all about. Not only does he begin to call Jesus Lord, but now his actions begin to change. He's not the person that, that he once was. He, he's very wealthy, and now he wants to take that money, and instead of hoarding it, he wants to use that money to help the poor. He's like, half of everything I have, and it says specifically that he was very wealthy. He said, I'll take half my stuff, and I'll just, I'll give it to the poor. I'll give half my possessions. And then he, he says that he'll pay back four times the amount of all the people that he's wronged. So not only would he pay you back what he stole off you, but he's going to pay you back four times. So he's going and he's, he's making amends with, with, with the, the people that he wronged, you know. So this is, this is conversion. Now Jesus is you know, doing what he normally would do with the religious people, and he's getting ready to drop a bomb on them and make them look very foolish. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. And Zacchaeus' identity, although he had become a, a, a tax collector and a chief of tax collectors, his true identity was in the fact that he was created in the image and likeness of God and he was a son of Abraham. He was to be one of God's people, but like a lot of people, he got off on the wrong track and he was totally and he was completely lost. He drifted to being a tax collector and extorting his own people and, and not serving God or thinking about God. But all of a sudden, Jesus comes upon the scene to seek and save what is lost. And so that's what's important to Jesus. 
that the, the, you know, we don't want to get so holy and so churchy that we forget where God delivered us from. Because you can get to the place where you start looking at those other people and you're driving by and you're like, oh, look at those people. Well, you know what? Those people too were created in the image and likeness of God. And maybe they just need somebody to go and, and speak to them and, and talk to them like they're actual people and tell them that I understand where you're at. You know, I've had a lot of conversations where I've been able to sit with people and say, you know what, I've been where you've been. I know what it is to want to, to be jonesing for that next hit or to want to take another line. Like, I've been there. I know what it is to have the shakes and wake up in the morning. Like, I understand what that feels like. But I also understand what it's like to give my heart to Jesus and be delivered from all that. Amen? Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And there's nobody that's too bound up that Jesus can't set them free. In the Bible, Jesus says that the Spirit is on me because the Lord has anointed me. He has called me to set the captives free. Freedom to the captives. The answer for the drug addict, for the alcoholic, is Jesus. The answer for the greedy person, the, the answer for the angry person, the, the answer for the, the person who's anxious, the person uh, who's addicted to sex, the person who's broken, whatever it is, the answer is Jesus. Because Jesus came to seek and save what is lost. He said, this is why I came. And if we're going to be true followers of Jesus, we call ourselves Christians. That means Christ lives inside of us. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, then what's important to Jesus should be what's important to us. Amen. And if we're going to talk about missionaries and sending out missionaries, Jesus is the ultimate missionary who came down from heaven, from perfection, stepped down from heaven and came to a, to a fallen and broken world. And he knows we are lost without him, but, but he gives us a path back to redemption. That he was going to live the life that we could never live. The, the incarnation that God was literally going to put on flesh and, and dwell amongst us. Tempted in all ways like we are, yet he did not sin. He was sinless in word, thought, and deed. And at the end of his life, he would sacrifice himself on a cross, take the penalty that we should have took, die the death that we should have died. And in that, he takes our sin, and, and we take his righteousness. And the Bible says that we become the righteousness of God in Christ. And because we become the righteousness of God in Christ, by faith, now he sends the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, comes and dwells inside of us and empowers us to live a life like Jesus lived. That, my friends, is the gospel. And if we have the, if we have, amen. Amen. And if we have the same Spirit inside of us, then we should have the same affections that Jesus has. And I pray that, that we would all have a burden for souls. I pray that we would all have a, a burden for the lost. And 
in Jesus' prayer in the upper room, he, he prays for all the disciples and all the people that are going to come right before he goes to the cross. And he said, Father, just as you sent me into the world, I send them. So you and I are sent out into the world. We are commissioned, and we should always live our life with a missionary mindset. You and I are called as Christians to join in the mission of Jesus, which is seeking and saving what is lost. So how do we do it? The most important thing is you need to open your eyes and you need to look for the opportunities around you. You need to have a missionary mindset. You may not ever be sent to a foreign country like Brian. You may not, uh, you, you may not be called to go somewhere else, but you may be called to your workplace. You may, maybe the, the place that you stop at to get coffee, maybe the restaurant that you go to all the time, your waitress needs Jesus, right? The person that you're, is waiting on you at Walmart, they need Jesus. Your neighbor needs Jesus. The people that you work with need Jesus. And you just got to open up your eyes to the opportunities that were in front of you. Jesus is walking with this huge crowd of people. As a matter of fact, it says that um, Zacchaeus, he was short. He was a short guy and he couldn't even see over the crowd because there was such a big crowd waiting for Jesus. So there's all these people around. And so Zacchaeus climbs up in a tree, but Jesus has the, the awareness to look up and see, wow, there's somebody here that's hungry. There's somebody here, he, he, he took the time to go and climb up in a tree to, to look down so that he could get a glimpse. And he calls him down. And I wonder, are you and I so quick to kind of go here, there, and everywhere, and we're buzzing around, and we have to do this, and we have to do that, and we have to go to the store, and we have to get gas, and we got to go to the grocery store, and we got to come back, take the kids here and there, blah, 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 blah. That we're just in a blur. And, and we're not looking around to say, is there somebody here? Is there a reason why I'm where I'm at? Is there something I could do? You know, there's a guy, he, he still calls me on a regular basis. And uh, his name is Paul. And um, I, I didn't meet him in the church. But I met him when I was a strength and conditioning coach at the YMCA. And, and he came up to me and, and, and he's just like, you know, um, yeah, I, I need to, you know, do, do you set up workouts for people? And I'm like, sure. But then he went with the litany of all the health issues he had. And he had a bad knee and a bad back and a bad this and a bad that. And it's just all this stuff. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, we can talk about what you can do. But before I do that, can I pray with you? I wasn't in a church. I wasn't, wasn't like I was wearing a collar. I was wearing like one of them dumb like YMCA polo shirts. You know what I mean? and some khaki pants and he kind of just looked at me like you know like kind of like my pugs look at me when I talk to him like like kind of like turns his head like what and I said you know I said I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian and you know I believe that Jesus heals can I pray for you and I prayed for him and then after that that opened the door for me to share Christ with him prayer is a great way most people won't refuse prayer. You will get people that will. But for the most part, they won't. It the same, when I was a mailman, I'd deliver people's mail. And you'd be a man. I don't know if you guys are like this too or, 
people were just like it with me, but like people would just come out and like just start telling me all their business, you know, like delivering mail. Like, I mean, I'm like, I don't even know you. Like you're telling me all, like everything that's going on, like in your life. And like, and I'm just like, wow, you know, and then I would just be like, you know what, can I pray with you? Because that person was lost and they needed Jesus. I didn't say, hey, I'm a pastor down the street. Have you heard of the first, the, the four spiritual laws? And do anything like that. Just doing life, just working, just being a normal person, not being weird. Just, hey, you know what? Can I pray for you? Sounds like you're going through a lot. My God can deliver you. Let me tell you about what God delivered me out of. Always having that awareness around you. Who needs Jesus in my life? Where to go? Think, think if you were going to a foreign country, where would you start? What would you do? How would you get your first convert? How would you begin to gather a group? Have a missionary, the same type of missionary mindset in the world around us. Also, understand that the way that you behave preaches a message to non-believers. The way that you behave, the way that you talk, the way that you carry yourself, if you get stressed out, if you're freaking out all the time, if you're swearing all the time, if you're getting angry with people, if you're mistreating people, if you go to a restaurant and tip 50 cents to a waitress, all those things, everything that you do, all of your behavior preaches a message, especially if people know you're a Christian. If they know you're a Christian, you're going out at, the Bible says we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And you're going to, you're going to, your life's going to preach a message. In one place in the Bible, it talks about an aroma, an aroma of life or an aroma of death. You know, it, it says in the, um, in the book of Isaiah that with Jesus, like with his looks, there was nothing looks wise that would draw people to him. But people were drawn to him. They were drawn by the way that he talked. They were drawn by his love. They were drawn by his gentleness. They were drawn by his wisdom. They were drawn by the authority of which he spoke. They were drawn by the way that he prayed. They were drawn to him. And by your behavior, you will draw people to Christ or you will push people away from Christ. Sometimes the, the, the hardest or the biggest obstacle to get somebody into a church is because they had a religious family that was very hypocritical or they had that, you know, uh, Bible-thumping aunt that was mean as a snake. Your life, your behavior, right? Think of Jesus, the incarnation. God became flesh. God became flesh. And we talked about the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You're to be the light of the world. You're to let your light shine. You know, when, when I go out to a, a restaurant, I always go out of my way to try, you know, to try to be extra nice to the waitress. I mean, the other day I went to a restaurant and they brought me out coffee and it was strong coffee. And I wanted creamer, but the lady was busy and she was just running around. 
you know? And eventually she did bring me creamer, but I already like drank a whole cup of black strong coffee. But what was more important, my testimony of the way I acted, that I could be patient and that I wouldn't die if I drank the black coffee or me, yeah, hey, hey, excuse me, excuse me, I need some creamer over here. Come on, bring the creamer over. And I'm sorry, if you don't got enough money to be generous and tip nice, don't go out to eat. Don't get food delivered to your house. Don't be cheap. Be generous, right? We're, we're, you know, our God is a giver. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son for us so that you can have life. So be a generous person. Be a giver. Because people are watching what you're doing. And, have, and be patient with people and keep loving them. The first conversation that you have with somebody, it may not go right. But if they're open and talking, just be patient. People don't get it in a day. And sometimes you got to be patient with people. And sometimes people move slowly. And sometimes people aren't going aren't gonna to get it the first time around or the second time around. But just try to give them grace and try to give them love. And eventually they'll say, you know what, there's something different about that person. And maybe I, I need to listen to what they say. And just know in the fact that the Bible says that when we speak that the word of God is like a seed. And seeds sometimes take some time to grow. I can remember I was sitting at the bar. And a guy literally sat down next to me with a Diet Pepsi and started sharing Jesus with me. And I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to like party. Like, I'm just like, I am not trying to hear about Jesus. Like, I'm like about getting like trashed and like, you know, not remembering tonight. Like, that was the business that I was doing. And this guy's just, you know... <laughs> He would call me Ricky. You know, Ricky, man, you're going to get saved, man. I'm telling you, you know, one day you're going to get saved. I'm praying for you. I know you're going to get saved. Man, you, got, you need to come to church with me, man. You ever read the Bible? And I'm like, dude, like, I'm sitting here drinking. <laughs> See? Like, this ain't the time, man. I'll talk to you another time. And he just wouldn't let me go. And I remember literally, like, threatening the guy. Like, look, if you don't leave me alone, like, I'm going to beat you up. But guess what? Seeds got planted. And here I am now. Right? So you've got to be patient with people. Have a missionary mindset. Listen, you all are sent and you all are called. And you never know the effect that you're going to have in somebody else's life. Um, Trey, if you want to come up, we're going to go ahead and close. Um, I was reading the story of a guy, he was 24 years old. His name was Albert McMacken. And he loaded up his pickup truck one night. Guys all got in the back and he said, hey, we're all going to go somewhere. I want you guys to come with me. We're going to go to a concert. And all these guys packed in the back of his uh, pickup truck. And he was really taking these guys to like go hear a preacher in his town. They were having like an evangelistic event, but he kind of just loaded all these guys in and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to go to this evangelistic event. And you've probably never heard of this guy by the name of Albert McMacken, but 
there was a guy that was a passenger in his truck and that one of the passengers was a young man by the name of Billy Graham in his truck. And Billy Graham gave his life to Christ um, at that evangelistic meeting. And how many people ended up coming to Christ because one person was faithful and decided to bring their friends to church. And they raised up the next Billy Graham. You never know. You, you, you don't know what people are going to do. There's not a person in my life before I got saved that would ever predict that I would be pastoring a church. I'm telling you. I, I mean, I went to school here. Go ask people who went, to, who went to school with me. But guess what? Somebody was willing and bold enough to pray for me and to believe God. My wife, number one, praying for me, believing that God could change my heart. Guess what? Nobody's too far gone for Christ. That man went forth and, and he had a missionary mindset and he brought a truckload of guys and, and Billy Graham came to Christ. You think of in the Bible, you think about Andrew, the Bible talks about the apostle Andrew. Guess what? Andrew had a brother by the name of Peter. And Andrew brought Peter to Christ, and Peter ended up bringing multitudes to Christ. First sermon he ever preached, 3,000 people got saved. That's pretty anointed. That's pretty anointed. That's a pretty good altar call. And, you know, you, you, the, the person that you invite to church next Sunday, the person that you share Christ with, the person that you give grace to, the person that you pray for, they may be used by God to do things that you never ever dreamed that were possible. Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever dream of or imagine. And if you do your part, God will do the rest. Amen? Amen. Amen. If we could just stand to our feet for a moment, I just want to pray. Maybe you have in your heart today, maybe, maybe you have in your heart today somebody that you need to, to, to pray for. But I can tell you this, the Bible says that how will they hear if they don't have a preacher? How will the person hear? And yes, we can pray that, that God will send laborers to that person, that God will send somebody to, to share Christ, but, but maybe it's for you to share Christ with that person. Maybe it's for you to take some time and, and invest in that person and show them the love that Jesus showed to Zacchaeus. You never know what God's going to do in somebody's life. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And I just want you to agree in prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would give us a burden for souls, Lord. Don't allow us to lose our first love in this church, Lord. If we, if we get to the place where we get stale and we forget while we're here and, and we forget the mission of Jesus, Lord, I pray that even if I'm in charge, that you would take me out of here, Lord. I pray that we would never lose our heartbeat to seek and save what is lost. And Lord, I pray, I pray that the revivals that are happening 
in all these colleges and all these places. Lord, I pray that all those streams would come together. And I pray that it would flow like a mighty river through this nation. And I pray that person by person, that one life at a time, that you would change this culture. Because we know that... We know that our hope isn't in a political party. It's not in the Republican Party. It's definitely not in the Democrat Party. But it's, it's not in a political solution. Our help comes from the Lord. And the way that we'll change things is when hearts begin to change. And hearts can only begin to change when they meet Jesus. And when they meet Jesus, then they'll have His likes. They'll have His heart. And all of a sudden, our country will change, and our world will change, our communities will change. Don't give up. Don't allow your eyes to be distracted by all the crazy things that are going around. Ukraine and Chinese balloons floating over and, you know, threats that we're going to have a, a, a new uh, virus and everything like that. You know what? You keep your eyes on Jesus because He is the author and finisher of our faith. And I'm going to tell you, even if it gets bad, that's just an opportunity for more people to come to Christ. Why do you think we're experiencing these revivals? Because things have got so dark and things have got so messed up that even people who God wasn't on their radar was like, I don't know, man. I kind of thought that the people at that church were crazy. But I'm looking out my front door trying to figure out what chapter of the book of Revelations we're in today. We in chapter 4, we in chapter 5, I don't know. Things are looking crazy. But guess what? When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. The harvest is right, but the labors are few. Will you join me to bring in the harvest? Will you join me to bring in the harvest? I believe, I believe in God. This is the next awakening. This is it. This is it. We're here. We're already here. We just need to press in more and more and more. Press in. You do your part. God will do his part. He'll do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever dream of or imagine. Lord, I thank you for this night. Thank you for these people. Lord, use us. Use us in a powerful way. Use us, Lord. Let the rivers flow. Let revival flow in this nation once again. Let revival flow in this nation once again, Lord. Build your church. Build your church. Build your church. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are building your church. And the gates of hell will not, have not, and will never overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. When I pray, I know that you will hear me. And I'll be amazed in the way that you answer as I wait. I know I won't be shaken. You remain my rock and my fountain. When I pray, I 
trouble comes, when the trouble comes, I will lift you up, when my strength is gone, I will sing my song, when my body is weak, it is you I see, when my heart is
Let's just raise our hand to heaven one more time. I just want to pray a blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And until we meet again, may the blessing and the favor of the Lord Jesus Christ rest upon you and your house. The service is dismissed. God bless. If you want to stay and soak in the presence of the Lord, that's okay. Love you guys. God bless.
Ah, oh, you took our lives from the pit. We remember, we won't forget. Look at where we are now. Look at where I was back then. Look at where I was back then. I won't forget where you took me from. You took me to glory. Lord, you take me to glory, to glory, to glory. To glory, to glory, to glory. You take me to glory, to glory, to glory. To glory, to glory. You take me to glory, to glory, to glory. To glory, glory, glory. You take me to glory, glory, glory. To glory, glory, glory.
so much better. Your love is better. It's better than. Exactly, you're forced to, you're forced to depend on somebody other than yourself. So when you don't know the, you don't know the song. 